This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. And welcome to Female Centrics. We are the female hosted fish community podcast, and I am your host, Donnie B. We are part of the Osiris Podcast Network. So, uh, this episode, episode 62 here, is the second part of our Gordon Hookalo interview. Gordon was the sound engineer for Fish's platinum winning album, Junta. So, if you have not had a chance to listen to part one, please check out episode 61 to hear about Gordon's background and what led him into being the sound engineer for Junta. In that episode, we discuss a lot about equipment and the technical side of the piece, and we start to break down the album song by song. We, at the very end there, got into Fee, which uh, discusses how the bullhorn came out as well as sound effects that were made. And finish out that episode discussing You Enjoy Myself. So this episode, we are going to jump right back into this interview and be starting off with Esther. So, and then going right into the rest of the songs and sharing some more fun stories um, from the time he was there in Euphoria Studios with Howard Cook, the owner of Euphoria so we'll be right back with the rest of our interview with Gordon Hukolo. So moving on to Esther. Which Yowza. Yeah. So I recently listened to that before I'd even met you and whatnot. Um, and it had been a long time since I've heard it in studio. And you and I had discussed I had kind of talked to you because I brought this up to you. I was like, I am floored by how delicate and young his voice is in this. You know, he's just really precise. And then you had a, had a story to tell about this. So I've, I'm looking forward to, to hearing about the recording of Esther. Yeah, Esther. Wow. What, what, a, what, what an interesting tune. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to all of the other songs on the record, it, it just has, I don't know, to me, it, it has like a, a very different feel to it. It's a very dark song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, at least lyrically. It's it's very dark. So like all the other tunes, we recorded the basics first. Uh, then we did all the instrumental overdubs. But when it came time to do the vocals, Trey wanted to find, you know, that special something in himself to be able to emote the intimate style that he was looking to do. Mm-hmm. That proved to be elusive for him for the first couple of tries. And he kind of got a bit frustrated at it. And we all just kind of said, okay, let's just take a break. Let's just take a break. So, so he left the studio and he went out and 
you know, he was searching for his muse, whatever he was doing. Um, wandering the streets y- y- of Revere. <laughs> yeah, wandering the, wand- wandering the lovely streets of Revere. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, when he had left, he was kind of despondent. He was kind of going, I don't know if this is going to happen, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we were all like going, yeah, it will. It'll be great. So we all took lunch. It was great. Uh, so he went on walkabout for a while. And um, when he came back, you could see it was like a little bit glimmer in his eye. It was like you could see that it, it was still tentative. Mm-hmm. He was still like, I'm not sure, but I think I'm feeling it. Yeah. And he asked for everybody to leave the control room and to turn the lights down, huh. which we did. So it was just it was just me and him. And um, I hit record and I think it was one take. And it, I don't even know if we stopped to do any punching to tell you the truth. It, I don't know where he pulled it from, but as you say, it was, there was an innocence yes. to his voice. It was this really young innocence and this lightness and, with him telling this really dark tale that I love the juxtaposition of, of this really sweet voice telling this incredibly dark tale. And, and, and even balanced off with like the circus music kind of in the background, you know, yeah, like, which is, yeah. which circuses can be a little dark and happy, you know? So it's, it, wow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that song almost didn't make it on the record, hmm. uh, you know, because of that, but, you know, he, he found it. Yeah. He, he found what, what, whatever, wherever he, you know, thank you, Muse, yeah. whoever you are. Right. It's the roast, roast beef uh, shop down the street. <laughs> Kelly's roast beef. Oh, that's it's so right. good. <laughs> Kelly's roast beef. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, that, yep. That we would, yeah. I, I love their chicken fingers. They had, oh, they had the best chicken fingers. Oh, I wonder if they're still, oh, yeah. I haven't they, been, uh, they in are uh, right on they're Route 1. They're still there. Route 1. Oh, you they're got still it. there. Yes, okay. they are. Oh, awesome. Yay. <laughs> Well, if I ever make it back to Boston, I'll go there. That'll be great. Yes, yes. Oh, they're delicious. Anytime I uh, head home, I live my parents down the Cape, so we hit Route One, hit up a good roast beef place. There's a few of them down there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, what an intimate moment! Just you and him recording these. Oh, so special, Gordon. It really is. I'm like, oh, <laughs> just great. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I have to admit, I working with artists, um, you know, especially ones, you know, when they, you know, start to lack, you know, a little self confidence or or whatever else, um, you know, I, I I feel really honored that they trust me enough to, you know, to work with them and not to judge them and 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 to support them through the process, and uh, and that's what happened here, and it was, you know, I'm. You know, thank you, Trey. That that was a that was a great moment. Yeah, yeah. That was a great moment. There, there's a an interesting little studio trick I'll share with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it's not like a really big deal, but it did happen. So at at the very end, um, he sings. I'm trying to remember the lyrics. Something something like emotionless sleep, mm-hmm. and then it goes. Ee. So it, it goes from G sharp down to a G. Mm-hmm. Now he never sang the G. 
So what happened was during the mix, I was going, I need to hear that G. I really need to hear it. So uh, I took his vocal and I locked it into a delay line, a digital delay line, a lexicon digital delay line. And uh, I was also feeding it into reverb so that you wouldn't hear that I was doing this manipulation. It, it sounded just like him. And so I locked the G sharp in there. And then when it came to to drop it down the half step to the G, uh, I think it was a Lexicon primetime. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers those. They're, they were they were awesome. Uh, there was a, a switch on it and you, you could tune the switch to like drop or go up by half tones. And I tuned it to go down by half tones. So, you know, sleep right on eep. I flipped it down a half tone and just kind of rang it out into the reverb. And again, it it's nothing huge or anything like that. But to me, when I was mixing that, I was going crazy without that G. <laughs> I really yeah. needed to hear it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's your special touch to this piece now, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, as a mixer and producer, I tend to do, you know, a, a lot of things like that. Um, and uh, I, I loved the outboard gear of yesteryear. I mean, it you could do some really cool stuff with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So moving on to Goldie Apparatus. Again, another funky, weird, awesome, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't really have anything specific to say about that other than it was pretty straight ahead. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a very straight ahead recording. It was a very straight ahead mix. I mean, like I said, it, you know, if and when we remember to, re to talk about you know, how many people it took to actually do this mix because we didn't have automation. Um, it's just a great track. It, it's just a great track. There, There's nothing special that I can recall that we did to that. Sure, and they just cranked it out live and then fiddled with it a little bit, and that was that. Well, they cranked it out live, and uh, does it have both piano and organ on it? I, Do you remember? I don't remember. Nope, I can't remember. Okay, okay. so obviously, um, well, not so obviously, but mm -hmm. the way we were set up in the studio, when uh, Paige needed to switch between the grand piano and the organ, th one of those ended up being an overdub. Okay. So, uh, and in fact, there are some times when he's playing both the piano and the organ at the same time, so clearly one of them oh, is an sure. overdub. Oh, sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, then the moving on to foam. Bing, bing, do, 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 bing, bing, da, ding, ding. <laughs> so foam was done in the second uh, sessions, and uh, God, M Mike's bass riff on that. I mean everything, and 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 then you know pages. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I mean everything. Everybody was just like, you know, in the control room, and we were just all dancing. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. It it was just it was it was just like a lot of fun. Uh nothing again, nothing really fancy or special uh that we really did other than making sure that the mix was right. Yeah, yeah. But you so you guys are playing the back and making sure the mix is right and then 
getting down in there. Now, was it was um, uh, Howard in there with you with all of these uh, recordings? Was he part of this as well? Not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, H- Howard had a whole bunch of things going on, and uh, you know, he was there for some of the sessions, but um, you know, he, he he was more kind of like, you know, the uh, kind of the what would you call creator of euphoria sound? You know, he, he, he was like, you know, was like, I'm going to make a studio and I'm going to make, I'm going to, you know, he, he loved recording and he loved the band scene in Boston. And so, you know, he just wanted to, to be part of that. Um, yeah. So he wasn't there a lot, but he was there for some of it. Awesome. So we'll slide into, let's go out to dinner and see a movie. Ah, ah. <laughs> let's go out to dinner and see a movie. Right. <clears throat> okay. So dinner and a movie. This yes, lots of interesting stuff is going on in this, mm. as probably everybody knows. Um. So the first thing, the very first thing, is just before Fishman's snare intro into the song, mm-hmm. there is another backwards, and I don't remember what it was, what we used. It was probably something percussive. Uh, might've been a cymbal. I'm not sure, but it, it also helps bring you into the song. In fact, it starts before fish starts, Fishman starts playing. Um, so, you know, get out your Junta CDs and, you know, hit play and you'll hear this kind of kind of thing happening that kind of, it's like, uh, we're going to bring you into this. You know, again, I love backwards stuff, so yeah, it, it yeah. was another it was it was another opportunity to do that, and mm-hmm. uh, so we did. And that was a uh, something that you brought into the song, probably. Yeah, yeah. Pro- mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. I, I think I brought the uh, the backwards uh, um, piano chord into the the end of the other thing too. Like I said, I was really just obsessed with doing as much backwards stuff as I could back sure, then. So. Yeah. It works. So I was always like, Let, let's do a backwards thing, right? Yeah, it works. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, So, you know, just something that very subtle. Most people probably wouldn't notice it. I I totally forgot about it until I played down before we did this interview. Mm -hmm. And I heard it and I went, oh, yeah, right, 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 right. So what most people are probably thinking about are like the oohs, the ahs, all that interesting stuff that was going on. So this is where we get back to... Remember I was mentioning flying things onto the 20, rather onto the 16 track? Yes. So this was done after everything was recorded. We were all in the control room and we happened to have had a, uh, a small collection of sound effects on CDs. And one of the things were oohs, ahs of, of groups of people mm-hmm. and people just mumbling and talking and also that weird guy talking in some bizarre language uh, that comes into that crescendo before they break it down and and then everybody's just really quiet. Let's go out to dinner and see a movie. Yeah. Um, so all of those, it took us a whole bunch of tries until we got each one of those to sit where it needed to sit. And... Um, the band pretty much, you know, they chose the samples. You know, I, I, I just, 
opened up the book and said, okay, well, we've got all of these. Well, we need an ah. Okay, let's listen to the ahs. Well, we need an ooh. Okay, let's listen to the oohs, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was kind of just happy accidents, just finding the right, I love happy accidents. It's like a Bob Ross painting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, just, just happy accidents and just, Trying and trying and trying again and again and again and again until we finally got the CD player to cooperate and play the clip at the right time so that we could record it onto the 16 track. Wow. Yes. Yes. Because again, same thing with the sound effects. You had to match it up right at the right time. All of it. All of it. Yeah. So, so yeah. And there's a ton of that all through the whole song. And I'm not going to go through and tell you where all of them are, but sure, you know, sure. You listen to it, and 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 you'll hear that stuff all, now, all the way. Now, when through. they came in to play the song, was this something they said ahead of time? Okay, we like we have the song, we're going to play it, but then we want this ooh right around this time and an ah around this time, or is this something you guys all work together creating? That's something that that's something that we did after the recording. Yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, that's something that we did we did together after the recording. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that was premeditated. Uh, so to speak, by the band or not, I don't remember. Gotcha. I, it very, it very well could have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah so well moving been. from dinner in a movie to again one of their epic uh, favorites, uh, one that was written really early, and so the divided sky. Divided sky, right, right, the wind right, right, right. High. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice voice. Thank you. <laughs> Um, the only studio trick we did, if you want to call it a trick, was that, uh, at that particular point in time, for some reason, which I have no idea why, there happened to be a glockenspiel sitting in the studio that was on a mic stand. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys in the band saw it and said, we've got to use this on the intro of the song. And uh, if you don't know what a glockenspiel is, it, it, I think it's a marching band instrument, okay. which, which is kind of like a xylophone. It's pretty small. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, the problem was it was out of tune with the track. Mm. It was out of tune with their instruments. I think the glockenspiel was actually tuned improperly or something. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, the 16 track had a very speed on it. So... Um, we basically played the beginning of the song a bunch of times while I was tuning the multi-track to get it to the right speed so it would be in tune with the glockenspiel. Hmm. And we we got it, we tracked it, and then we locked the tape deck back to its normal speed and just went on with everything else. But that was an overdub. That was an overdub. Now, did Fishman play that? I don't remember. I, I, I would think that would have been something that Paige would have played, being a keyboard player. Yeah. So so Fishman plays a marim, marimba. marimba, marimba oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not too sure if like what if he was playing that, you know. Oh well that, that he very well could have. Yeah. I, I need I need to I need to watch more fish shows. Oh yeah. Well I want to take you to first, your first fish show. That's what I want to do. <laughs> to fly oh, back I've, here I've when they get back in town. I've oh, been to a right. fish show. That's right, you have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have been, but uh, no. Yeah, I haven't been I, with like, me, though, so we're going to do it. I, all right. All right. You just let me know when. Uh, <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll make it happen. Yes, definitely. 
That's great. So, um, and you know what's funny? So I, so uh, Divided Sky, I know there's only a few, you know, lyrics into it, but it was, uh, from the best of my knowledge, it was one of the songs. So they used to, I wouldn't even say this is, this is before they met Mike and Paige, but for sure, like Tom Marshall, the lyricist, and uh, Mark Darber, who was there in the early years, as well as Trey, they were all at Princeton Day School, and they came across this giant rhombus, metal rhombus that was like set in the woods at that point in time that was a gift for Einstein, I believe. And so these kids, you know, they're out in the woods and, you know, tripping, running around, whatever it is. And they come across this giant rhombus and they ended up being able to like climb on it and in it. And there was a handful of songs that were really inspired from being around this. And a few years ago, so it ended up kind of becoming kind of like a mecca for fish fans to come to and still is. And, uh, but it was in the woods. So they ended up moving it. Cause I guess it was a graffiti graffiti and whatnot on it. So they moved it into the field. So a few years ago, I was actually able to go and go, go to the rhombus. And it was very interesting to me because when I knocked on it, it sounded like it was in the key of divided sky. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's a little like portal on the top of it. I was like, this is a portal to Game Edge, which is like the whole story behind, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it was locked though. So I wasn't able to get into it, but it was pretty cool to be on it. (laughs) But I did find that pretty neat to have it be like, wait a minute. I'm like, you know, I was like kind of singing the note with it. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is in the key of Divided Sky. This is really neat. That's a great story. Mm Mm-hmm. So going into David Bowie, again, to me, I sort of relate this with the divided sky and you you enjoy myself. So these uh, compositional epic journeys of sorts with just a couple of lyrics in there. So tell me about David Bowie. So David Bowie was pretty interesting. Uh, That was during the three-day session, Mm -hmm. the first session. And um, so... The one thing that most people talk about when they ask me about it is the the jam part where there's all kinds of bizarre percussion and things whirring around and um, some strange voices and things like that. So for an overdub, and I think this was after we did all all the rest of the uh, all the rest of the overdubbing. Uh, it's one of the last things we did. Um, everybody in the band, I think it was the band. Did they bring anybody else in? I'm not sure. And they went into the studio and, uh, I put up a couple of mics and they got, I don't know, about six feet away from them, maybe a little more. They were just kind of sitting on the floor and that, no, they weren't just sitting on the floor. They were also like walking around the mics Mm -hmm. and they were just, kind of getting into this like crazy manic thing that David Bowie is during the jam Mm -hmm. and making all of these really weird noises. And they had these like plastic tubes that you could like, you know, swing around your head and they'd make noises and all of this other crazy, you know, maniacal nutso stuff. Just so the four Um, of them are sitting on the ground, like, well, the the, the, well, the, the studio, studio floor. floor. Yeah, yeah. So they're sitting on the yeah. studio floor, and was this something that was sounds that were put in afterwards kind of thing, or they were... 
this was afterwards. This okay. was after the tune was done. Sure. Everybody was in, in headphones. Yeah. And and they were just, it was an overdub. And they, and they they just did it all at once. Just all all this really, all, all that weird sound that you're hearing in the background. Is yeah. Just the, ba- the band playing with themselves. You know, I think at one point you can hear somebody going, you know, stuff like that. Sounds like preschool circle time with like music when they like hand out the box of like, you know, whatever, the tambourines. That's what I'm like picturing right now. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the exactly. wooden block and all that. <laughs> Just... Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it was nuts. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it was fun. I, I, I think it sounds cool. Yeah. Um, but what were you thinking? The, were you, they were like, all right, we're going to sit on the floor now and do this. You're okay, and just go with it. And so you're sitting there watching, like, how- oh, I'd done, I, I, I'd were, I had tracked much weirder things oh, okay, before okay. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, no, I've, I've done some really ex- bizarre experimental projects. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So no, this, this, this didn't really, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it, it didn't really phase me. It was just like, okay, this is cool. Sure, it works. <laughs> it works. the The only other thing that happened in the mix that was uh, that was interesting, and uh, th- this was something I kind of lobbied for, was um, you know the the first stanzas, David Bowie, David Bowie, you know, and then they go UB forty, which was a reggae band. Yeah, and and so I put in this kind of uh, a as close to a reggae delay on the vocals that I could as an ode to UB40 ah. there. So if you listen to it, I think I did triplets and on the delay. And so UB40, 40, UB40, yes. 40, 40. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's, I'm, you know, you and I have talked about a few of these things, but I'm really looking forward to listening back to the album again and, Knowing, you know, just the, the little bits and pieces of uh, these details that we didn't know about beforehand. This is great. Um, so moving on to Fluffhead, which you had said earlier was the first song that you heard them play. Um, and, you know, it's listed as two different songs. Well, two different songs, either the Fluffhead and to Fluffhead's Travels. So tell us about that a little bit more. Right. So like you said, that was the first the first tune that that they recorded uh, that we recorded together. And um, as I had said, I usually ask bands not to play what the the songs that we're going to track for the sound checks. So this was, you know, we were doing our sound check, getting the drum sounds, getting the sounds for everything, getting getting everything right, getting everybody in tune. And uh, we're all set up. We're ready to go. And I hit record and, uh, you know, the beginning of Fluffhead is, you know, acoustic guitar and it's, you know, kind of a pretty normal song. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it's like, okay, this is nice, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, so at this point I did not know who they were. I did, you know, it's like nothing was really revealed yet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we get to, uh, Fluff's Travels, and uh, for some reason I feel like I'm repeating myself. I'm not sure. If no, that's okay. It's okay. Go for it again. But um, then they 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 actually start doing their thing, mm-hmm. and 
my, like I said, my jaw or my body or something just hits the floor because I couldn't believe what I was hearing, mm -hmm. you know, it's from so these, beautiful. from these young upstart kids, you know, from Vermont, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. They the were hills. just on the floor, like making all weird sounds and hitting each other with hockey sticks or whatever. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Right. You know, this is, this is the first time I'm hearing them. And, uh, I remember running to the office and grabbing as many people as I could and saying, you have got to hear this. This mm. is, I cannot believe this is happening. No charts. It's like they have everything committed to memory. And this is complex stuff. Yeah. You know, th th this is like, this harkens back to all the prog stuff that I loved. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going, what on earth? So yeah, this, this, this is when my eyes got opened to who they who they are sure yeah ding 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 we got a winner here <laughs> yeah it was just i'm just going okay this is not the run-of-the-mill local band this is there there's something going on here holy mackerel what's going on yeah yeah so that was the song so when they went on hiatus they, they stopped in 2004 and they came back in march of 09 which you know i went to the last show i thought i'd ever go to uh it was coventry in 04 and I actually drove up by myself six weeks pregnant and I worked at a Turkish food stand for my tickets. And these guys were straight off the boat of Turkey. And they're like, you're here by yourself, pregnant. Your husband's at home. Like, what are you, lady? And I'm like dancing and cutting onions and like, whoa, you know. And so I showed up to work like the next night and they were like, like, here's like, just go. You're fine. We don't like it's good. So like went out, they just cried, 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 you know, really thought that I was at my last fish show. And then, you know, when they came back, it was just this. You know, we had these few years, a lot of us, you know, uh, uh, who would, you know, followed them around earlier in our younger years had gotten married and started having kids or careers or whatever it is. And now we're coming back as like, I guess, real adults or whatever. I guess I don't know if any of us are real adults, but, you know, we're, we're good at it, you know. And, uh, and, and the first song they came back with was Fluffhead. And it was right before like webcasts started, but I was able to hear it really kind of grainy on my on my computer. And when they came back with that, oh, there was not a dry eye in the house. I was on my side just sobbing. It was like, just, oh, we got you back again. You know, that was the one they came back with. Yeah, I, I had heard that they had broken up and I was very sad about it. And uh so glad they got back together it's yeah yeah you know but it was it's interesting because it was the years before that so for me you know I started in 94 and I followed them around it was the whole hippie thing you know hairy armpits and dogs and burritos and you know <laughs> like it's just this whole thing going on and it got pretty dark uh in those like early 2000s and I sort of dropped out a little bit. I was living on the West Coast. I was living in Oregon at the time and I really delved it, like jumped into the Grateful Dead at that point. I mean, it, that's what got me into fish. But once I hit fish, that's all I listened to. And so when I was out West and it was just the, the, the scene, there was just a lot of drugs and it was really intense and it got really rough and it was, you know, Trey was having a really hard time as well. And so it was just all around. Everybody needed the break. It was the best thing that could have happened because because since they've been back, it's, you know, to have a band when you go to see them live and you're actually really not only excited to hear new music, but you already know the lyrics to all the new music. And that's everybody as a community. It's such a unique uh, piece of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you told me about following them 
around. And, uh, you know, when you first told me that, what, what, 124 shows? How many shows did you say? 127. 127 shows. You know, I, what came across, you know, my my mind was that you were following them around and gave everything else up for 127 shows straight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. A long span of time. Like, one of the women I just interviewed, she had been to 700. I've interviewed somebody who was been to 400. So the one who had been to 700 was there at the very beginning. And so oh, she, my yeah. God. So she was going to, like, Nectars every night or, you know, those sort of things. So you kind of, like, clock in those. And then another one with the uh, – so that – her, that was Mary Boggs, another woman, uh, Jenny Chadbourne. She's been to over 400. Her first fish show was just a couple of months before mine. Um, but again, just sort of fought, just kept going, you know, in between them. And now I'm able, last year was like a big year. But last year I got 12 shows in. But, you know, I'm averaging. It depends on how close they are, you know, because like, we do we do work, obviously. And, and we've got kids now. And I've got a... Uh, a, the queen of of uh, of it all was, was the, an auntie who just will take my little one and my older ones are older you know they're older now so it's a little bit easier to to scoot away but oh yeah no I mean one twenty seven is like a drop <laughs> like oh that's all you've been to no I'm kidding but, you know, it's like, so how long until the kids are going with you so they've all been they've all been yeah oh, yeah awesome. yeah definitely so my, so my oldest I had a I had a fish kids I'll I'll send you a link to it I had a fish kids episode um. Uh, a uh, few, you know, I think like last year or whatever. And so my oldest is 18. His first show was in 03. I brought him to a festival because he was he was still nursing. So I was like, all right, we're going to do this. He's got to come, <laughs> you know. And so he's been to 10 shows. Um, and then my daughter, Daphne, um, she's been to seven or eight, but she actually was really great. We were front row at a tray band show. She had written him a letter and she actually was able to hold, like, hand it to him at set break because we were front row. We came back. We went to the restroom. We came back, and he had handwritten her a letter thanking her for what she did. So she went viral with that one. That blew up. And then my littlest one is four, and her first show was ten weeks. <laughs> she was ten weeks old. She's been to four shows. So, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. There's a big, there's a big community. You know, there's a, a big group on on Facebook called Little Ragers, and uh, you know, there's little sections in the back where the family groups are, where they really, you know, protect protect the little ones and whatnot, and and. Because all of us are have babies now, you know, and it, there's sometimes obviously I'm not going to bring my kids to a Madison Square Garden show, but something like SPAC or Great Woods or, you know, these outdoor shows are very accessible and they love it, you know. Starting them out right. Yep. <laughs> Starting them out right. Showing yep. them where, where the gold is. That's, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we are going to take a quick break and we're going to jump back into contact because this is the whole reason why I met you, right? Uh, is actually, yes. Yeah, awesome. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, and we are back with Gordon Hukalo, and we've been going through all the songs on Jinta, and we have come to the last track, at least that was recorded there, uh, Contact. And Contact is how I was able to get in touch with you through Justin and Lindsay Cook. Well, Lindsay Weiss now, but uh, Cook. So 
Do you want to back up for just one second? Because I'm curious. You just get random phone call from these kids you hadn't heard in a while or how'd, how'd that go? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> that That is exactly what happened. I just, oh God. When, when did we connect? Like two weeks ago? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, phone rings, don't recognize the number. Hey, you know, it's okay, whatever. Picked it up. And it's like, is this Gordon? It's like, yes. Who the heck is this? No. Uh-huh. 617 this number ju- or whatever. Th- yeah. Th- this, this is Justin Cook. I'm like going, oh my God. Oh my God, Justin, how the hell are you? You know? So, you know, we're just kind of shooting the breeze for a bit. And then I said, what? What's up? Why yeah. are you calling? You know? And he launches into this thing about, you know, uh, getting in touch with you. And, uh, uh, it was also telling me about the story, I guess, behind the, the videotape that uh, uh, finally got on YouTube and went viral. Yeah, um, yeah. Of, uh, of the kids uh, uh, singing uh, backup on Contact and uh, Trey. And uh, I actually got uh, a little camera time there, too. That was really, yes. that was a trip. That was such a trip just going back 33 years, man. That was, wow. Had you not seen that video in that long? Uh, no. Oh, I not. wow. Wow. I guess it showed yeah. up at like a, a 2003, I would think it was their 20th anniversary during the set break, someone had said, which I didn't realize that, but but it hadn't been seen. Definitely. It was only seen just that one time. And then once my friend Jess, who, you know, she's out of fish head, but she was like, oh, by the way, I just happen to have these friends. I grew I'm like, you what? <laughs> like, you know who? <laughs> and then, you know, when I talked to Lindsay and Justin, they were like, yeah, we might be able to get in touch with Gordon. I was like, okay, you know, let's do this. So, yeah, that, that was really awesome that they reached out and awesome that you reached out. This is, that this is a blast. Uh, c- kind of like, you know, it's like, what what do they call it? Um, okay, edit this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like opening uh, a time capsule in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Peabody and his pet boy Sherman was at it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I don't know if you remember that I, stuff, but a little bit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It that's kind of what it feels like. It feels mm-hmm. like you know, kind of going back in time. Uh, a lot of really cool stuff happened at Euphoria Sound and in Boston. You know, Boston was, I, that's where I was born and raised. And mm-hmm. uh, before I left, I think I'd ended up working in just about every studio in Boston. So, mm. yeah, it, it was really cool seeing that footage. It was awesome. That's great. It's great. Well, we loved it. Like I said, the, I mean, it was, and just to go back into that time too, because to think about, you know, when I'm talking to Lindsay and Justin, because I did interview them already and that will be part of the Osiris's new podcast Undermine um, because they're talking about all the early years so that'll that'll be part of that but to hear them and and, you know I'm thinking these little kids and I'm like wait no they're like my age now you know (laughs) and uh so the hairstyles and you know you can hear the the accents in the background and and it's interesting to me at first because at least in the video they're they're trying to sing it but they hadn't quite, I think that, um, you know, from me being in choruses and whatnot, I know a lot of times when you're learning a song at first, you speak the lyrics in a way. So my assumption is, is that that's what 
Trey was going for at first because then they were like, well, what's the melody? Can you <laughs> like, how does this part go? So if you want to like, yeah, let's talk about all these little kids in there and, and which were apparently all like friends and neighbors and cousins and aunts and all of that. Well, well, don't forget that Howie's wife, Francie, uh, she was a school teacher. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think, I don't know, uh, whatever grade it was that most of those kids were, uh, that's where they pulled most of the kids from. Mm-hmm. It was like overnight, too. Like Howard yeah. came to the dinner table and was like, okay, this is what we need to do. And then the next day, they're all in the studio. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It, it, it was... <laughs> That's been chaotic, I would imagine. <laughs> I oh, it, it was it was incredibly chaotic as well, but it was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. It, it was just like it was so much fun to have all those kids in the studio. And on the video, you can see exactly what you were saying. Uh, you know, Trey was kind of like, you know, waving his arms crazily in the air and trying to get everybody to, you know, sync up and what have you. And we we didn't have enough headphones for everybody. We you know we only had enough headphones for like a regular band, so. Um, when we went to track it, uh, I think Trey and, uh, I, was it Fran or was it the woman next to her, to her left on the video who had a, a, a set of cans on too? Anyway, uh, there were probably like four people there that were, were kind of like directing, mm-hmm. uh, everybody and the kids were great. I mean, they, they, they followed along. I think we did like I think we recorded them like five times in a row mm-hmm. and just, just, we just kept, you know, doubled it, then tripled it, then quadrupled it. And yeah. So it sounds like a real lot of kids. Mm-hmm. There's a good amount in there though. Seems like a good, like 10, 15 kids. Yeah. 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 So we ended, so, 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 you know, we ended up with like 50 or 60 kids on the tape. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so was it again, they go in and they recorded the whole song live and then you brought the children? Right. Right. They, the, the children were an overdub. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we did like four or five overdubs. So mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they sang it once. Then, in fact, in the video, you can see specifically that there is a smaller group that starts out, and we already did a take with them. Okay. And then, and then a whole bunch more kids pile in, and you can see me moving the microphones around to make room for it. And, uh, you know, Trey is trying to, to arrange them in some particular way, and nobody's listening, and he goes, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did they come into the studio saying, okay, so we have a song and we want children to sing in the background of towards the end or how, how would, how did that come up? I honestly don't remember. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It was Mike's song. Uh, I would say if you can get Mike on the show, ask him. That will happen someday. (laughs) (laughs) I will get them. (laughs) Um, You know, and and it's become a bit of a love song for a lot of fans. And actually this summer, um, this, uh, no, this summer, (sighs) summer before that, um, Trey was bumped into a couple of fans. I want to say they were in like a elevator or whatever. And the there was a couple in there and the the guy was like oh if you play contact tonight i'll propose to my to my girlfriend and so 
out of nowhere during the middle of the show, all of a sudden Trey just goes, all right, guys, I just got to do this. So, you know, I met this couple in an elevator and, you know, I'm really putting you on the spot right now, guys. So here we go. And they go into contact <laughs> and sure as shit, he got down on his knee and he, he proposed to his, his girl right in the middle of the awesome. show. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Did they find him with a spotlight or anything? Um, I believe there's videotape out there. There's one of the, that's one of those things I'm like, I, I, with Valentine, I'm the Valentine, I'm such a love face too. I'm like, I wanted to have like a Valentine's Day episode. Maybe I'll just have one be in March. It doesn't really matter, but you know, but to have one, because there's a lot of people who, you know, fell in love through it or engaged. I was in my first marriage. I was engaged at a fish show, uh, 97. Um, and, but there's a lot of, you know, I went to, uh, my friend Sarah and Justin had their wedding at Magna Ball and, uh, you know, everybody was part of that piece and, and whatnot. I mean, this just really is, has, it's just becoming, it is part of all of our lives. We're so integrated with each other that, you know, these specific songs have such meaning and we have such, you know, huge parts of our life. Like my daughter Cassidy was born to the song free, you know, those sort of things that, that are so significant, you know, with that. Can, can we take a moment, uh, uh, and just, I was going to say a moment of silence, but this is a podcast, so silence doesn't work. But just take, just take a moment and just, you know, just be thankful that this whole thing just, just happened, with, just manifested. And how, how you've been telling me and how I've been, you know, watching on the internet and how this music and has changed so many people's lives and, and connected so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, m- music is the most important thing in my life. Me too. It, it always has been. And um, to see this happen and to know that I was a part of it is, it's kind of a big reason why I got into doing what I wanted to do was because music gave me so much joy when I was younger, that I kind of made a promise that if there was any possible way that the universe was going to let me do it, I wanted to give back a little bit and maybe be a part of whatever part that was of helping to get more awesome music out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And and it so with with the pandemic, you know, we have, we have, uh, this lag in live music. Right. And somehow by, you know, I, a lot of it has to do with, for me anyway, my own personal, and, and I know there's thousands of us. So it's, I could, I feel like I could speak on, on behalf of a lot of people with the groups on Facebook and the connections that, that we all made. There's so many people that I've met just through fish and even just people that I've interviewed on my podcast that are, I immediately consider, I mean, like you, you know, like, the, you know, as I was saying, I'm like, we're best friends now. It's cool. Like, we'll talk about everything, you know? And, and, but you just have this connection because there's this base of such passion and, and, you know, we need this as far as, you know, we keep going on it, but the band needs it just as much, you know, and the beacon shows that Trey, Trey did and for raising the money for a recovery, a recovery home in Vermont, there's over a million dollars raised. And every week 
the groups, a lot of the groups would pitch in and donate just on behalf of their own group, as well as donating from their own pockets. And every wow. little bit, yeah, and every little bit counted. And and this is what we did as a community, you know? And you're so right. It really is. And and you you are a significant piece of this because as I had mentioned earlier, you know, it's this is, you know, fee came on and I was like, this is it. This is it. It was immediate for me. Immediate. And a lot of people that I interview um talk about that. Talk about that that um, Junta was the first album they heard and it was either an older brother or at summer camp or, you know, that, that sort of piece that um, really just paved the way for where we're going. You know, we talk about like, you know, just think that we're, we get to be alive during the time that fish is here. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome that it's triple platinum. It It's, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's incredible. I, I have to give, give um trey a a shout out though for the uh the stuff that he's been doing during the pandemic in new york mm. that the the new arrangements mm. um mm-hmm. with the strings and everything oh my god so beautiful phenomenal just, just gorgeous and i'm a real sucker for putting symphony orchestras with rock bands mm. that's like that, that you know if you want to get me off it's like just just you know, get some really good synergy going with with an orchestra, you know, and a great prog band or somebody like that. And yeah, yeah, that that that's Nirvana for me, right? Yeah, and he and he really rewrote a good chunk of the songs for the Beacon Jams, and in well, not rewrote them, but like you know, to added these pieces of you know the women singing and the horns and the you know all of it. Um, cause there was quite a few songs that Trey Van hadn't played before that were classic fish songs, you know, I mean, just even something so powerful, like, uh, the Carini, just the beginning of it with those horns is just, oh, just gets you, you know, and, and to, to have that in the middle of all of this, just absolute bliss. It really, <clears throat> it really helped a lot. Uh, it, it helped me a lot. Mm. Uh, it, I mean, this has been a really challenging time for everybody. Sure. And, um. Uh, in my feed, uh, his, the, the new version of you enjoy myself with the strings and, uh, just, and then, then having all the whole band come in mm-hmm. a- and it was just like, oh man, I was just like, I was in heaven. Cause that's like, you know, I tracked the original version of that. Right. And it was, and it was just so great to hear, to hear it brand new. Yes. You know, to hear to hear it just completely brand new and, you know, like somebody, you know, found the fountain of youth for it and, you know, bring, brings it to us anew once more. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they even managed to, to pull this off for New Year's Eve, you know, so for New Year's Eve, we're always all together. So either we're at Madison Square Garden or we're webcasting at home and, you know, we're holding little small parties and this and that. And so they replayed the 95 Madison Square Garden show. And during that show, they're like, you know, I talked about like the theatrics and whatnot. They did this like time machine thing where they had like, it was like a time lab and they, weird people were on the stage with like coats and like a science thing and whatever. And they just pulled it off like nobody's business. I, my handful of friends, we were all in the room. We're like, I think we just went to 1995 or like, what is going on? <laughs> Like, did anybody else time travel? Was it us? Was it? Mm-mm. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. But I mean, to just to 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 have that, and then they played chess with us because it was a so 
so back so that fall tour going into that uh winter the winter run they played a game of chess with us and the first uh game they won and the second game we won so i was at a 90 i was at the halloween in chicago and so a big giant chessboard came down and a fan would a fan came up but this guy was dressed like chewbacca and came up and he made the chess move and they made the chess move and that's how they did it and and so it left as a tie so their big thing was is like all right we're gonna come back we're gonna you know beat you with with chess and i think something malfunctioned with like the chess.com or something whatever it's site they were using and and quite honestly we were we were having such a good good time i can't even remember who won it this point but it was the four of them on like zoom playing chess making jokes fishman got his hair shaved during the middle of the whole thing like out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) and then the actual countdown they just kept sorry but like fucking with us because they would do the countdown we're like wait a minute what time is it we're like all right five four we're like no there's two minutes left (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> everybody's so banged up at that point i think we did the countdown like three times at our house <laughs> but and again that's what it is though because we're all like we're all you know talking we got chat rooms going on on the side and all of that it's it's just it really is such an amazing thing to be a piece of yeah and and to see that they still have the same childlike mm. wonder that they did the first time that they came into the studio. Mm-hmm. That mm. that's beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. It, it they they didn't lose their inner child at all. Mm-mm. You know, it's like they're they're still there. They're mm-hmm. still living there. You know. Yeah, yeah. And and we all need to get in touch with that. And and they help. They they at least they help me go there. Yes. They 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 they, they help. You know. Uh, feed feed that kid yeah exactly no and and i think you know a lot of people like how can you go to four shows in a row and like you're 45 like whatever i'm like i that's like it, it's church for me like it feeds my soul it, it lifts me up you know and it's the same thing with everybody i mean you learn how to pace yourself a little bit more you know you don't get all wonked out in the first show you gotta you know sort of like even even things out and whatnot but um but yeah no and and it just, yeah, it's just great. <laughs> um, so I did want to ask you, so, so, so we know how long it took the, to actually, you know, finish the album, which was like the two week session towards the end of the three days, at the beginning. Um, but tell us a little bit about the original release and when did you realize that this was gonna like, did it, did it pop right away? Or like, when did you realize that this was going to like go platinum? Well, the first thing that I noticed in between the first sessions and the second sessions was I believe they played this really great club that I used to love called the Paradise. Ah, I've been there. In Boston. You've been there? Yeah, of course. Yep. I went to school in Salem State, so I used to go to Boston all the time. Yeah, yeah. I I love that club. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many awesome acts there. Sure. Um, and there's just something really intimate about that setting. I just, I, I just really love that club. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't even know that they had played there, but what I did hear was that they sold it out mm. and, and, you know, that was kind of a harbinger for, you know, what was to come, mm-hmm. you know, clearly, um, you know, everybody was talking about it. Uh, people couldn't get in, um, so, 
I knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know a lot, but I knew something was going on. The other thing that was interesting was, you know, once we had put uh, the master together and got the order of the songs together and the right spacing between them and all that, um, they uh, ordered like a ridiculous number of cassettes and they wanted them to be as hi-fi as possible. They weren't, they didn't want us to ship them out to some like high speed duplicator. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I had set up at Euphoria was a, a real time, uh, probably about as hi-fi as you could get at the time with pretty high end, uh, cassette decks, um, you know, a dubbing system. And I swear if, if staff was there, those decks were running. Like whenever I walked into the studio, week after week, month after month, those decks were running, recording, crank, making those cassettes. Cranking out to, wow. So you made the cassette tapes right there in the studio? Yeah. What? Yeah. So is that yeah. that, like, is that the, um, uh, you know, going back to, oh, I kick myself for not remembering what that, that gentleman's name was that, that did the review on it. But in that article, he posted a picture of the tape with the tape cassette. Is that what the original tape cassette looked like? It was I like a, so. like a man like yelling or something like that on it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it wasn't yeah. the Pollock, um, uh, uh, that black and white, you know, uh, no, 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 no. It was well before that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was well, as well. So, Wow. You know, we're moving in, we're moving in 89. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, for lots of reasons, I'm, I've made the choice to move to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a very, very dear friend of mine, um, one of the owners of, a, a just a, a, a mega studio called Soundtrack. Uh, they've got yeah. a gazillion studios in Boston and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he was saying, Gordon, you gotta get, get out of Boston. It's like you're. You know, it's the the music scene's drying up here. You you, you know, if you want to go to New York, I'll give you a job right away. You know, I said I hate New York. I said, okay, go to L.A. Get the hell out of here, man. You're just not gonna be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he said he he told that to me in '87, and uh, I flew out here in '87 just to get the lay of the land, and I made my decision. I said, okay, absolutely, that's gonna happen. So mm-hmm. in '89. Uh, I filled my my little Celica with everything that I could possibly fill it up with to put in a small apartment just to, you know, see if I could hang a shingle or, you know, continue. You know, I I really wanted to continue making music out here. And um, so I drove across the country, which was awesome. Man, that was just, I loved it. That's the best. It's um, the best. Yeah. By myself. It was really cool. Really? It was really, really cool. Yeah. 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 It was, I loved it. It, it was just, it was what just route so cool. did you take? Uh, the middle route. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I did it at a time when it wasn't going to be too cold or too hot in any particular place. So I didn't mm-hmm. hit snow or I, you know, or it wasn't too, Street you know. Heat. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, through Kansas, through Colorado. And I, as soon as I hit Colorado, I stopped. Yeah. And I spent, a fair amount of time in Colorado. Oh my God, that was so beautiful. So, yeah. Um, so now I forgot where I was. Where? So we're going back we into about? we're talking about um, the the tapes being recorded and that you were going to be heading out to LA. 
Right, right, yes. right. Okay. So, so as far as knowing what was going on, uh, I really didn't. You know, I got here, I got to LA. Two weeks after I landed in LA, my appendix burst. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I ended up in the hospital and I was laid up for a while. And I had three gigs that, you know, I did have going when I first got here. And I lost them all because of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was busy, you know, looking looking for work and, you know, new town, you know, small fish and big, big pond, whatever. And um, so I'm busy. And I think Howie called me up and said, do you know what's going on with fish? I said, no. What's going on with fish? Well, Electra picked them up. I said, what? Yeah, Electra, Electra picked him up. And I think this was like 92 or something. Nah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe 93, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't know. I I had no idea. It's like I'd kind of just left everything behind. Yeah, there's Boston no internet. And, so like, right. how are you going to know? Yeah, sure. Right, right, right. So no, I was just doing my thing out here. Um, you know, I uh, ended up going to work for... Uh, this really interesting gentleman, his name is Jordy Hormel, um, and uh, part of the Hormel, you know, uh, okay. spam, all that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he owns a, uh, a studio out here called The Village Recorder, which is a very, very famous studio. And, like, everybody's made records there, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Super Tramp, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you name it, you know, they've, they've made the records there. Uh, so, you know, I went to work for him in his private studio, but... You know, knowing that the village was there, I always made sure that I got a chance to do work at the village as often as possible because yeah. it was an awesome studio. And um, yeah, so I was kind of busy, you know, working on some records and and what have you. And uh, I remember Stephen Stills' manager somehow got into the studio I was working in. He heard, he heard some of the record I was working on, and he said, "Hey, do you think you could do something like this for Stephen?" <laughs> well, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, hell yeah. So, um, I don't know how long later it was, but um, we went over to Sunset Sound and uh, uh, did a couple of cuts on uh, uh, his, a solo album called Stills Alone. Mm-hmm. And but after that, things kind of th- things kind of slowed down because the deal is in Boston, the studios had their own engineers. In Los Angeles, and I did not know this, in Los Angeles, at least on the music side of things, the studios don't hire engineers. They hire runners and seconds. So getting a music gig out here as someone who totally cut their teeth and paid their dues in Boston, I was a full-fledged engineer, knew what I was doing, could make records, all that. Uh it was almost impossible. In fact, it was impossible to get a job at a music recording studio uh, with the status that I had. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, you know, I, I had started working on film scores back in Boston before I came out here. Uh, film was starting to fascinate me, and I thought, you know, maybe this might be a good time to start looking into doing sound for picture. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I kind of started looking into that and uh i started my company out here uh, gdh digital mm-hmm. and uh yeah uh started out uh you know doing demos uh for composers and stuff and 
Uh, then started doing some books on tape for Time Warner and Bantam and people like that. Oh, nice. And, and um, you know, then, you know, finally started making some connections in the film industry and started to, you know, get my chops together to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And uh, it, it was probably a really good time to do it, too, because the music industry was starting to die mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, but sound for picture man that was that was going great guns so almost every music almost every musician that i know uh let, let me say it the other way around almost every sound editor or mixer for for picture uh started out either as a musician or as a music engineer or producer mm -hmm. and uh i found that to be really really interesting moving into that one yeah and and so did you end up um you know, so you were moving away from the music and whatnot and going into, which I'm looking forward to hearing, like, what you're up to and what, you, what you've you got going on right now and what you want to promote. But, like, you know, did you end up, because I, I, first I'm like, oh, I'll bring you first for, for, to your first show. And then I'm like, that's right. I remember you had been to, been to a couple. But did you end up staying in contact with the band afterwards or go to any shows or, you know, go on a lot and see all of us weirdos running around or, you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So in the early 90s, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, um, I heard they were coming out here, so I called the management company. I said, "Hey guys, you got to get me a get me a pass." And they mm -hmm. said, "Okay, sure." So they got me a pass, and the first and it's funny you mentioned like, did you mention a parking lot by any chance? Yeah, the lot, yes, the lot. You did. It's okay. our house. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's our home okay. away from home. So, so that that answer that answers so much for me because I didn't really understand what I, what I was seeing right. when I got there. So different from any other thing. <laughs> You know, so so I parked my, you know, because I I'd, I'd never been to any dead shows. Ah, um, mm -hmm. but so I parked my car, and uh, I start walking through the parking lot, and there is a love fest going on in the parking lot. I mean, it's just I'm I am just watching this this show. Yeah, <laughs> I'm watching. Do this you remember show what year it was? Ninety something. It was early, really early nineties. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was early nineties, and. Um, yeah, I it, I got this vibe that everybody there was into it for the love and it I don't know, everybody just felt really great. Everybody felt really cool. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I made my way through the lot as you call it. Mm -hmm. And uh I, I it was out in an open field as I remember. Um and uh, the setup was very impressive. I had no idea that they had gotten to this this level. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I mean, you know, the full on sound system, full on light show, the whole right. thing. You're like psyched and, about the paradise being like sold out, you know, and then you're yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so I sit down in the grass with everybody else, and they put on the show, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> you know these guys are these guys are killing it you know, and i love the thing you know they have the the pit like the dead did for uh like people to record the shows oh yeah mm -hmm. so that was there Tapers. i'm like looking at that you know i'm looking at that as an engineer going oh that's so cool mm -hmm. you know so digging on that so you know the show ends and i finally make my way backstage and um you know i the guys are scattered, you know, they're, they're burnt out, you know, they played a, played a gig and what have you. And, 
you know, we see each other and wait a minute, are you? And I'm like, yeah, wait a minute, are you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, you know, so I I think a couple of them, you know, came up to me and said, yeah, that first record, man, that still holds up. That, man, you produced that, didn't you? Yeah, that was great. You know, I'm like going, yeah, yeah, that, that, man, that was really fun working with you guys. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of followed them into, they had this, this entourage of these unbelievably beautiful buses. Uh-huh. These, these, these <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, they looked like an airliner. Yeah. You know, they, they were just so gorgeous, both on the outside and on the inside. So I follow the, them into one of the buses and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like Tony Stark's, uh, you know, if, if you're into the MCU, it's like Tony Stark's <laughs> place or something. It's, yeah. And, and so the first thing I notice you know, being me, is that they there's a little workstation there so they can like work on writing tunes on the road and what have you. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I I notice and impossible not to notice is like all of these just unbelievably gorgeous girls that are <laughs> doing everything they possibly can to get as close as they can to anybody that they can. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of like they're I think I actually saw them picking out which ones were going to like be on the bus or something. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of goofy looking dudes too, but you know, like, Oh my God. At and, that and, time, they've really got, you know, they're like fine wine, you know? <laughs> oh my God. It was, I, I have to admit, I mean, you know, yeah. Envy for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was like, okay, rock stars. Yep. yep right. Okay. Yep. That, that, I want to say did, they did call, the whole thing. Yeah, they called. I want to say they honestly they called it. It was like the Betty Ford Clinic back then. They used to just invite all everybody, all the, and it was just this giant party that went on, like every night afterwards with all of that. <laughs> you know. Wow. Yeah, different now because they each have their own buses and their families come with them, and you know. But oh yeah, they were full blown rock stars for sure. I mean, they still are, but you know, just like fitting that you know, mold, I guess you could say. It was impressive is all I have to say. I was just like going, ah. Yeah. So this is what happens when uh, you go from little town in Vermont to like world star. Rock and roll, baby, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that phrase was definitely going through my head. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Because I remember you were saying, because I asked you, I was like, oh, you know, were they drinking and, you know, any of that kind of stuff during the recordings? But this is like before they even got into all of that. No, 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 no. No, during the recordings, there was... There was nothing like that going mm. on at all. They, it was, I mean, there was a bunch of Coca-Cola. Yeah, sure, um, sure. No groupies hanging outside or anything like no, that. No, no, nothing. No, nothing like that. It, it, you know, it was like the you Italian know, we grandma li- walking by. <laughs> we were all living off. We were all living off of sugar and uh, and caffeine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so we're coming to the end here and I want to know, so you were talking about you're coming into, um, you know, these, the movies that you're doing and whatnot. And you had said like super, no, Spider-Man and SpongeBob. And there's like a bunch of like pretty big things that you're, you're, you had been working on. And what can we look out for you? Uh, well, well, okay. So let's, let's get a correction. Yeah. Uh, Sp- SpongeBob, no, no. Okay, um, I was wrong with SpongeBob. <laughs> no, no, no. I, a dear friend of mine yeah. uh, does SpongeBob. Uh-huh. 
and and has been doing it ever since its inception. That's so awesome. yeah, he's been doing SpongeBob for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Great show. Um, uh, no, um, uh, God, I. I could spend, I mean, we're talking about like 30 some odd years of. Of course. Sure. Yeah. What have you been up to for the past 30 years, by the way? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, uh, super, super short, uh, consolidated, um, uh, you know, one, once I got my, my, my footing out mm-hmm. here, so to speak, um, I somehow ran into one of the producers uh, for uh, TSR, the makers of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, neat! And and uh, through again a whole bunch of strange things that just happen, uh, happy accidents or whatever. Uh, <laughs> they Ross, asked me to produce. Yeah, they, <laughs> they they asked me to uh, to produce uh, like all of their stuff. For, and this is for video games, I would imagine. It was for audio and video games. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, you know, we were doing like these full on movie soundtracks uh, as audio uh, appendiums for uh, for the, the game, the gamers while they were playing the, the, the board games and stuff. And uh, yeah, we were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We were doing some video stuff. Uh, you know, CD-ROMs were just starting to come out. So we did some CD-ROM stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, those were really, really fun days. And we, man, I just had a lot of fun producing that stuff. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it really created people too. Uh, then, uh, around that same time, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I, uh, um, the first one or two, uh, I had actually rented out the village recorder to, uh, do the mixing at, and I was renting other re- other recording studios to record the the voiceover and the foley and the other stuff. Uh, and then I realized, wait a minute, I've built a whole bunch of recording studios. What am I doing? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what the hell am I doing? So I stopped that nonsense and I <laughs> I, I built a and, and I built a couple of rooms and started putting people in them. And uh, yeah, so that that's kind of how I I got my my studios off the ground. Well, and, I saw that you uh, had recorded. Now, did you work with James Brown or was this like after, because I had seen that some, it's somewhere in your repertoire. Yeah, that, that was with Scotty Brothers Records. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they they had signed him and uh, had gotten a hold of a bunch of uh, his material. Uh, I didn't actually get a chance to work with him directly. Okay. Uh, I, I was one of the first people in Los Angeles who had adopted uh, uh, Pro Tools which you probably might've heard of. It's, yeah. Um, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's owned by a company called Avid now, but it was digi design back then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, as a result of like being one of the only people in town who was like, you know, really versed with it. Uh, I was sought out a lot to mm. do a lot of the, the really early digital manipulation and Good what have you. Move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, so that was really cool. And uh, I did a bunch of work with Scotty Brothers Records. And then along around the same time, uh, got hired to do the sound supervision for a really cool science fiction show called Babylon 5, mm-hmm. uh, which was awesome. I mean, just really loved loved doing that. That was, that was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And um, it just kind of kept on, you know, blossoming mm-hmm. like that. Um, the past four years, uh, somehow I just ended up getting big time in animation and, mm. you know, doing a bunch of shows for Marvel and Disney and Nickelodeon and um, uh, uh my my brain is on is falling out of my head, yeah. uh, so I can't <laughs> I can't remember all of them, and I don't mm-hmm. have it written down in mm-hmm. front of me. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so you know, did a bunch of that stuff. Uh, it, it's actually really cool to go to Netflix or go to like you know the Disney Channel or Disney Plus and to see see your work there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really really cool. It's it, it, it's really awesome. And you are looking to get back into producing sound engineering uh, music, right? right? Albums, records? You're looking for bands? Yeah. Yeah. I really, really miss music a yeah. lot. I mean, m- music, music is, it's my soul. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's where my soul lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I thought, you know, okay, we're in the middle of COVID. And so maybe this would be a good time, especially since we're doing this and Maybe someone listening to this might have a band who might be interested in looking for a producer, or engineer, mixer. Sure. Um, you know, to work with. Um, so I thought I would put it out there. Yeah. So for, for anybody out there who has a band, uh, I'd prefer to actually be a band rather than, you know, somebody just working on a laptop being like a one person yeah. Show, but yeah. I mean, you know, that that could be interesting, mm-hmm. but I'd pre- and I prefer to work with like a really awesome band. I'd find somebody on, you know, Fish's level or something like that. Yeah, so something yeah. something unique, something some something worth putting the time into, you know. Yeah, yeah. A dear friend of mine, uh DJ Moore, he's the drummer for a band called Jaw Gems. And so I on the way here I was like, I like I'm getting in touch with DJ because I'm wondering because I know they put out an album whenever they did. Um, but you know, I mean, this is the thing is like, so I'm, I want to promote, I'm going to promote this piece separately from just even the podcast, just be like, just to try to generate, you know, more people getting this piece of it. And, and because I mean, say like, Hey guys, uh, by the way, the sound engineer for Agenta is looking for bands to what? Who, <laughs> like, are you kidding? So I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to be helpful to you on that end. And, and, uh, no, I appreciate that. And, and make sure you say producer engineer. Producer cause, engineer. Cause, yes. Yeah. Cause I definitely want to produce it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, between you and me or the rest of the world, mm-hmm. um, just the clause at the bottom of the last email that I sent you that was cleaned up is if you're interested, please send your submissions to business op one at earthlink.net. Only any submissions to the GDH digital address will be disqualified. Great, great. Well, Gordon, this has been awesome. I, I even skipped over a couple of things because because we've just been going and and, and uh, but I feel like we've gotten a really there's definitely two clear episodes in here and it's been an absolute joy to talk to you about all these you know little secrets that you know, people don't know. And, and, you know, and I'm really hoping the band is going to be able to hear this too and be able to like open their time capsule and, and hear what you have to say. It's, it's so precious. It really is. Well, thank you. Thank you. And Don, it's just been, it's been a joy connecting with you, getting to know you. Um, yeah. as, as I, as I said, I, 
very interested in staying uh, staying connected. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, sharing sharing different music. Like you said, you sent me that that band. I'm definitely going to check them out. I'll mm-hmm. I'll send you some other stuff. Uh, oh my goodness, to. I'm loving that Genesis, um, the selling England by the pound. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> Isn't that a great record? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's an awesome, one of my best awesome friends, album. I've been sending her stuff too, and she's just sitting there, she's like home. She's like, oh my God. And then this song, and this song. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the band, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 it's awesome. It, it's All just right. totally awesome. Well, great. Well, thank you so much uh, for everything you've done for our community and for producing this amazing album. And now we're friends and being part of this podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much, Don. I mm. so appreciate you too. It's, um, I'm I'm so glad that Justin called. It, it this is this has been tremendous fun, uh, kind of going down memory lane. And yet, it isn't just memory lane. It's still happening now. Yes, yes, it, it's still happening now. So yes. that's that's incredibly exciting. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, it's awesome. Great. All, All right, right. Don. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. All right. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Female Centrics with the final part of our interview with Gordon Hukalo, the sound engineer for Junta. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know Gordon and learning all these fun little background secrets of the recording of our our <laughs> fish's first album our beloved first album uh junta and remember if you want to be getting in touch with him to for possibly producing a record of yours or if you know anybody and if you want to check out more of his work you can go to his website which is www.gdhdigital.com and you can contact him at admin at gdhdigital.com. So remember that we are part of the Osiris Podcast Network. And so if you want to check out some more amazing podcasts and doing some great work over there, please go on over there to osirispod.com. And yes, we will see you again or hear you again. Thanks, everybody. Peace. <laughs>